Tubi Honest is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. Damn! More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get in the game. So one of my favorite features of the app is seeing my seats before I get there. It actually shows you the view of where you're sitting at. How clutch is that? So head over to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome back to another episode of To Be Honest. I'm your host, D'Angelo Williams, and your co-host, Jake, the man around holidays, Seeley. Uh, Jake, what's up, man? What you got? Uh, I got I got a good weekend. How was yours? Is it Thanksgiving? Was it, was it a big one for you? Yeah, it was It was a really big one, man. And this is what I found out about Thanksgiving, man. So my father-in-law, man, I love him to death, man. So uh, we had a beautiful Thanksgiving, man. Uh, my wife, the kids, uh, my in-laws. Uh, so I spent Thanksgiving with them. And this is what I found out about my father-in-law. So he's at that age now. um, And he's been there for quite some time. And I've been in denial about it to where the first thing he does when he gets up is he talk about the weather. Like, (laughs) hey, um, you know, it's going to be cold outside or, you know, there's a storm coming, you know, from the west going to set in the east. And I'm just like, dude, like, stop it. But this is the the biggest thing about my father-in-law that gets me. Uh, and I don't know if it, he's a serial bragger. And when I say serial bragger, this is what I mean. I'll give you this example. Uh, like everything leads to a story that involves him. (laughs) This is what I mean. So I was like, Hey, you know, it's a little chilly in the house. Let's start a fire. And my father was like, uh, my father-in-law was like, yeah, let's start one. And I was like, you know, I can get it. He was like, no, I'll get it. So we started this fire and I look back and I'm like, oh, that's a nice fire. And he was like, yeah, you know, I started back in 19 so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, my first fire ever built was with, and I'm just like, dude, like (laughs) how the hell did did this, but I noticed everything that I compliment him on, he has to give me like the origin and how he became uh, so good at doing what it is that I just complimented him on. And I was wondering, I was like, is that just like, is that just a trait in the older generation or is that just my father-in-law? No, I think so it's I'm just asking your father. You that, Jake. <laughs> I think it's your father-in-law, but I don't think it's just specifically him. I just think there's people like that because I'm laughing because you're making me think of a friend that we have who <laughs> he'll sit down and we'll be in dead middle of the conversation. We could be talking about flowers. He'll sit down yes. and be like, yeah, well, I cut another pound off my weight for when I was working out. I was like, nobody was talking about working out. Nobody asked you about working out. It just jumps right into the conversation. Yeah, I put another pound on, and I, you know, I got my body fat down to what it was like. Really? Like nobody, nobody was asking. So I think there's just, I think there's certain people out there that are just that kind of personality. Yes, I, he he went back to how he used to make fires when he would go hunt with his father. 
And like, did he, he walk uphill in the snow both ways to get the firewood? <laughs> yeah, it, it was unreal, bro. And I'm just like, um, and I asked my wife, I'm like, honey, how, how did we get here? Like, literally, all I said was, <laughs> that's a really nice fire, dad. And he was like, yeah, you know, this is how I got good at that. And like, he would, as if like I needed that history lesson. So next time I make a fire, I can make one just as good as him based off what he went through when he used to make fires. So and I'm thinking give, give me myself, an example. Like, how, would he, how would he spin this, D'Angelo? So you asked me on my week. So not on top of Thanksgiving. It was also my birthday week, and it was also my first date in quite a long, 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 long time. So how would your grandfather spin that? <laughs> or your father So he would <laughs> – my father-in-law would probably spin it like this. Well, you know what? Back in, you know – 46 or <laughs> 65 when I first started dating, man, you know, I had a few issues, but this is how I ironed them out. And then I got more <laughs> dates after that. Like that's how he was spinning. But he has a story, bro, for literally everything, everything. And I, and, and I don't know how, like, I'm just like, dude, you are a very experienced, like granted he was in the military and in the Navy and he spent, you know, 30 plus years there. So I I've underst- I understand that he's experienced like a lot of things. Like I took him to London when I went over to London, right? And when we got there, he was like, oh, it's kind of the same. He was like, the last time I was here was in 74. <laughs> like nothing's changed. And I'm like, dad, seriously, come I on I built now. the bridge like, when I was here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how was your date, though? Oh, it was really good. It was actually so you know how I rank things. She like actually, really good, or like it was. Well, like no, no. Here, she here's, went home. You went home. No, no. So here's no. I don't. I don't do that. She went home. I went home. It was a first date. So okay. This is so you know how I rank things and grade things all the time, and that's my job. So I I put it on her. I said, all right. So now it's on you, since now that you know that I do that. And this is how you know it went well. She said it was a nine out of ten, and the only reason I won't give it a ten is so we have room to improve. So there you go. So what did you rank it? I'd give it a 9 out of 10. I agree with her. Oh, well, we'll put it this way. Okay. We got dinner at 7 o'clock. We left at 11.15. So there you go. Four four plus hours. So, so four hours and 15 minutes of just chatting. Yes. Okay. What was the big topic? Obviously, you didn't talk about fantasy football, did you? Oh, no. I brought it up. What I do off. for work. Yeah, she, she already knew that I wrote for work and did podcasting. So I gave her the insight to it's actually fantasy and stuff like that. Oh, Okay, so I'll give you, I'm going to give you a little insight to me. You know how when, like, people take pictures of, like, me and other people come up, like, dude, are you famous? I'm always like, no. They was like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a mortician. (laughs) And the reason why I say mortician is because nobody wants to ask you follow-up questions about the dead. So I literally always say mortician. And I have, like like, a mortician joke that I got from, you know, one of the morticians, uh, when they was like, well, why do you like working with them? I was like, because they don't ever talk back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but that's pretty cool, man. Like, what was your type? Like, I mean, how did you set this up? Is this like a, did you go traditional and like meet her out? Or was this more like a, you slid in her DMs like, hey, big head. Like, how, how did you initiate this? <laughs> no, this is. Uh, I'm curious, Jake. I officially bit the bullet and tried the app versions of things. App versions, yeah, dating app. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, okay. Was it paid or was it free? Oh, it's free. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah. if you pay for it, technically, you paid for the date. 
I'm just saying, if you if you on an app and you was this like one of those apps where you swipe right and swipe left and then yeah, oh okay, all right, well, all right, well, I, I we, guess that's that's different. We can save that for another. To be honest, for another day, how about that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a interesting. So your your Thanksgiving went great. Yeah, because uh, I you, wanted to tie something in. Well, okay, oh, you have another question. Go ahead. Did you take her to dinner? I mean, she, yes. Was she yeah. your dinner date? Like, did you cook? No, took her out to dinner. Oh, okay. Has yeah. she met Barkley yet? No. First date. It's not real then. It's not real. It's not real until she meet Barkley. I actually feel bad right now. Barkley's off getting spayed. I felt like such a jerk leaving her there. She had no idea what was about to happen. I, I, um, I actually feel bad for her. <laughs> I gotta go Whoa, pick. hold up, hold up. Your dog is a girl, and yeah. you named her Barkley. Yeah. Because oh. it's a fun play on words. I'm so off. I'm so over you. So your dog is a girl but identify as Barkley. <laughs> no, nobody knows that Barkley is a guy. Most people don't know football names and know who Saquon Barkley is. I mean, even if they don't know who Saquon Barkley is, they know who Charles Barkley is. I don't think anybody's tying it to Saquon or just either one, Charles Barkley either. Okay. All right. Okay. I think the right. people just hear Barkley and think it's a cute name because they think I'm like it's a bark like Barkley, which it is. It's a play on words, but it also happens to tie to Saquon Barkley. But hold on, hold on, no, because I wanted to tie something else in because you were talking about good stories, and I wanted to ask you, D'Angelo, you know what's a good short story? What? Beowulf. You know whose nickname is Beowulf? No. Gardner Minshew Mania is back. Nick Foles, your words, was the savior and the first real quarterback and better than Carson Wentz. What happened? Yes. Yes, he is way better than Carson Wentz. Uh, Nick Foles Guess been dealing still has with a injury, job. man. I, I think he came back too early. <laughs> that's what's that's going what on with Nick Foles. He came back too early. He's fighting through an injury, and he's still fighting through that injury. Gardner Minshew is not the answer out in uh, Jaguar. I mean, out in uh, Jacksonville. I, I, I honestly – don't believe he's the answer. And until Nick Foles get back to the Nick Foles that we come and love within the playoffs, then they're going to always have a problem. And I think he'll be back next year after he get his arm and his mind together. Uh, Beowulf time is now and forever. So you think you think Gardner Manchu gives them a better chance to win than Nick Foles? Currently, absolutely. Future-wise, I still say it's up in the air. I'm, with, I'm at least, I'm, I'm having fun with it, but I'm with you on that. I don't think the book is written on either one of them. I don't think we have yeah. the real. I don't think we have the real Nick Foles, and I don't know that if you gave me both at their peak level of play, I would probably take Foles over Minshew as of right now. Right, but I'll take both of those quarterbacks over Carson Wentz. No, nah, that that's when we still disagree. So what? We we Dude. know that we've 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 gone around that circle we've dri- driven that wagon or whatever it is circle the wagon whatever we that have. is yeah we've done that in multiple times for the amount of money that Gardner Minshew is asking for or is getting paid versus what Carson Wentz is getting paid and what he's giving you I'm definitely take Gardner Minshew and obviously Nick Foles is the quarterback that's so good that he got his backup quarterback paid. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, again, you we keep, went in that circle. That out there. <laughs> many, many, it, but is it not the truth? Am I not speaking facts here, Jake? Uh, no, you're not. What? I told you, Carson Wentz over Nick Foles every time. We've had this discussion. Even now, even the banged up Nick Foles, you don't, you're going to take Carson Wentz over him. Yeah, because the banged up Carson Wentz and the subpar offense that he's been dealing with has still got this team somewhat in playoff contention. Nick and Foles just meaning like not Nick Foles the, just the took his team out of playoff contention. 
<laughs> look, Say what? They, look, Carson Wentz can't play defense. He put up 31 points. I was going to say, Nick Foles just knocked his team out of playoff contention. Yeah, well, that door is going to slam on. I mean, let's just be honest. That NFC East is a dumpster fire, period. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you're you're asking people to pick between a porcupine and eating bamboo. The fact of the matter is, is they both going to kill you. One I think just some people do actually eat bamboo. Huh? But, but we're going to, well, we're going to talk about that. Cause we're going to talk about that dumpster fire, of the NFC next week, because we're going to talk. Oh, we're not about, talking about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about NFC uh, next week because we're talking about the AFC playoff teams and the biggest issue with every single playoff team this week. And then we're going to do the NFC next week. But one more thing real quick before we get to that. Speaking of, and this actually goes AFC to NFC with the overlap I wanted to ask you about this whole, we've had the conversation on the show before, D'Angelo, about talking trash and what some people say and what they say in between plays. And so I'm kind of curious about this whole Mark Andrews Bosa thing, because this is carrying over from college and it stems from somebody that neither one of them were even, the, the, the player that started this isn't even involved. So Baker Mayfield, if anybody has forgotten, planted a flag back in college with Ohio State and Oklahoma and all that type of stuff. Well, Bosa comes from the Ohio State side of things, so he mocked the planted of the flag on a defensive play, which is still years later, but he did that the other week. And then Mark Andrews, this past week with the Ravens, mocked Bosa mocking the planting of the flag because he's from Oklahoma. So I kind of, like, I, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I want to ask D'Angelo, like, do people still hold on to these things for years and years and years to, like, make this kind of point that just kind of seemed silly for me especially when baker's not even involved in it yeah well so here's the thing when you it's just like high school football going to college it's just like jumping from college to the nfl like the things that you've experienced in college do not change actually the things in college make things kind of way worse as it relates to going to the nfl because now you have that freedom to express yourself any way you want to express yourself without getting the flag. So with that being said, I love the fact that they are mocking each other from the college days because when he did that, when Bosa did it to Baker Mayfield, I was like, oh, that's dope. Like he went back to college. Like obviously <laughs> he still remembered it. He he planned it out uh, and he executed it perfectly. And then to, to, to do the same thing to Bosa, after beating them, granted, you know, I'm a fan of the 49ers, so I wasn't happy with it uh, because it was done to my team. <laughs> but I could see how it happened. Like, I, I I, always love the ones that, like Cam, when he used to dab, when people would sack him, they would dab. Or when Aaron Rodgers did the discount double check, like anybody that would sack people, him yeah, or, the whole belt you know, thing. pick him off, they would, you know, they do the title thing. So anybody that has a, a, a celebration that – They've coined their own uh, run the risk of another player that's shining or dominating or if they win doing that celebration. I always remember the one that really comes to mind and the guy to get really pissed off when you steal a celebration is Josh Norman. Have you really? seen Josh Norman when he shoots the arrows? Yeah. When the lineman did it to him. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't and see and that. he wanted to fight him. <laughs> yeah, because he did his celebration. And I'm thinking like, dude, you know, imitation is the, you know, the epitome. The highest or form the, of flattery. The highest form of flattery, right. So, you know, obviously you're doing something right. Like the right. Dak Prescott warming up, doing the hip thing, you know, 
having people do that. That, that that's all. Uh, I, I am so glad that the NFL and I'm going back to the NFL allow uh, players to start it, start expressing themselves through celebrations. I think the best celebration in all of football is when the defense get a turnover and they run to the end zone and take the team picture. Like that's like the dopest thing ever to me. See, I have Whereas a problem with. I don't mind the team picture. I mind the players coming off the sidelines that weren't on the field because, like, you're not allowed to be in this team picture because you weren't on the field when it happened, and that's technically a penalty. You know this in the NFL. You're not allowed to come yeah, off the but, sidelines. But here's the thing: if you don't want me taking this damn picture, don't throw the pick. Don't have the turn. I will say this: the Monday night football game. So the pick six last night, and they chucked yes. the ball into the stands. I was waiting for the flag, and I'm really glad that they didn't throw it. I was really glad yeah, that they, they yeah. just. Let it go. Oh, well, he's gonna get fined though. He's gonna get fined twenty five hundred dollars for throwing the football. Uh, for throwing the football. Is that how much a football cost? <laughs> yeah, that's how much. It, it's not because of the football. It's because you're inciting a riot. When that football go in the stands, you have people fighting over that football. So they in turn go on the welfare of the fans sitting in the stands over the player actually throwing the football. So, yes, you get fined for every ball that you throw in the stands. If you toss it, then that's different. But if you throw it, oh, yeah, you'll definitely get that fine letter in the mail. Hmm. Good times. I've gotten a few of them. <laughs> you got <gotten> a few. <laughs> that's how I know. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about these teams. Let's talk about the AFC and the biggest problem. Let's start, every... let's start from the bottom. And go I was to about to top. ask you that. Did you want to go from the bottom yes. top? So I'm with you. I, I yeah, like... Let's go to the bottom. We we start from the bottom. Now we here. Is that what you, is that why? That, that's that's exactly what I want to do. I want to start from the bottom so we can really truly get into this uh, the problems that uh, some of these AFC teams have. I thought we was gonna go NFC because I, but I had a whole book written on the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, next week, I mean, depending on what happens, I mean, they might be the what we're starting with number seven next week. They might be on the outside looking in. It's that yeah, close. Yeah, no, right? I. It, they're so competitive in the NFC, but you know, you look at the AFC and clearly you have favorites. But you look at the NFC and you know, in one See, division, you got two teams with the same record. One, you know, they're just alternating from you know first and second place to fifth. See, like, I think the NFC that. is more top heavy and the AFC is more balanced. Yes, I I do agree, but I do I do believe though that the Super Bowl champion is going to come out of the NFC though. Yeah, no, you said that before. So we're going to have to yeah. – all right, we'll, we'll get to them next week. But let's start with the AFC, and we'll start number seven because we have teams tied for six right now. One of them is your former team. They have the tie break right now. So we'll start with the team that doesn't have it and who's currently on the outside looking in by a tie break, the Tennessee Titans. I, I already know what you're going to say because I heard you before the show even started. What's the problem with the Titans, D'Angelo? <laughs> um. I defense offense like <laughs> everything I'm gonna go their defense is dead last uh their offense in terms of throwing the ball um I don't think there's any consistency there obviously Tannehill is the the future of that team you know I I wonder where Marcus Mariota what is he doing these days now is he is Looking he backup you know, jobs is he next scrubbing year? Tannehill balls um <laughs> You know, to you know, when you get the new balls, you got to take the wax off of them. Um, you know, is that what he's doing now, or is he, you know, is he hurt? You know, what's going on there? But you know, we need some consistency at the quarterback play. Obviously, they got a running game; they can run the ball, so they can control the clock. Give me better consistency at the quarterback spot. 
um, and give me a defense, just the defense in general. They cannot stop anybody. But somehow they're in this playoff race. Like how are they in this playoff race with the subpar defense that they have and an okay quarterback? I know what the answer is. So I'll let you give the answer. But real quick before you go to that, to answer your Marcus Mariota question, I could see him on somebody like the Packers next year backing up Aaron Rodgers. Is it like, hey, we'll take a chance. We'll see if he works out behind Aaron Rodgers. There, there's no way. Him. There's no way. There's no Why? way he goes to the Packers. If if I'm Marcus Mariota, if I'm Marcus Mariota, and I've had a starting spot all these years, there's no way I'm going to go to a team that has a quarterback that's established and as good as Aaron Rodgers because I'll never touch the field. If I'm, if you're not I'm touching Marcus the field, Mariota, period. If you're Marcus Mariota, yeah. If if I'm him, I'm I'm trying to go to Jacksonville. Nope. I'm trying to go to the Philadelphia. They Eagles. have their quarterback. I'm, nope. I'm trying to go somewhere where there's a quarterback. I mean, even going to the Bills, hell, Josh Rosen is. I mean, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen is not the best. He's so, better, he's ten times better than Marcus. Mar- Marcus Mariota is not going to have a shot. At starting next year, he's going to have to go somewhere and hope somebody gets hurt. See, that's the thing. I I used to feel like that, but like looking at quarterbacks now in the National Football League, there's a lot of them that shouldn't be starting or even playing in the National Football League, but yet they get time in and time out. Uh, you know, year in and year out. Yeah, so but Marcus Mariota that. was one of the ones that shouldn't be starting, and now he's yes, not. Yes, he was. <laughs> You're absolutely right. But Tannehill's not that much better. I mean, he wasn't doing that when he was in Miami. Yeah, but look at the supporting cast he had with Miami. So, hold on real quick to go back to you said how the Titans are winning. I, I, I would give the answer, but I want you to give the answer because you think there's somebody on this team that is in the MVP discussion. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, I mean, do I, do I need to say the man child's name? I mean, because without Derrick Henry, I said this last year, uh, Derrick Henry came on strong and continued to be strong. The only thing that, that stopped Derrick Henry last year was the offensive coordinator not giving him the damn ball. Everybody knows that this offense runs through Derrick Henry. So allow him to be the beast and man-child that he was at Alabama to continue to flourish here with the Tennessee Titans. It reminded me of when they had Lindell White and they had um, mm, uh, what is his name at quarterback? Uh, uh, Vince. Uh, when they had Vince at quarterback, they literally all they did was run the ball and control the clock, and it was a good offense. That's literally what they can do now. Just on third and long or third and medium, when you have to throw the ball, you do it. It's first to second. Let him do what he do on third down. Then you you play the sticks game. That's that's how you win football games. It's time. It's time after time after time after time. It's it's history proving itself that if you have a really strong running game and an okay quarterback. You can win championships with a defense that's strong. If you need to look back in the history and see how that – go back and look at, you know, the Baltimore Ravens with Trent Dilfer. Go back and look that. at Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos. Uh, you know, good defenses, really good strong run offense, and that's how they won the championships. All right, so let's pivot off real quick because we're going to talk about MVP race later on in the show. But we'll pivot off to a topic since we're on Derrick Henry on this team real quick. And something I wanted to ask you about Derrick Henry before we get back to the other six playoff teams. So I saw this, to your point, tweeted out earlier this week. It's Ben Gretsch. He works for CBS. He tweeted out this stat for you, D'Angelo. In the last four games, Derrick Henry's rushing splits for the first half and the second half of the game. In the first half of the last four games, four games, 
31 rushes, 141 yards, and zero touchdowns. In all four second halves, he has 50 rushes, 418 yards, and six touchdowns, which tells you what the assumption and the narrative was coming out of college with somebody like Derrick Henry, where you hear these, give him the ball, he wears down defenses. He gets stronger as the game gets on. He gets better in the second half. He wears down. De- is this like a true narrative or is this just possibly like just the f- opponents they face? Like is, what kind of truth is there underneath this, underneath this See, story? I, I love when they say that, you know, players get stronger as the game go on and it's not that they get stronger. They stay the same. It's just the defense and the team that they're going against gets weaker and get less likely to make those tackles. <laughs> See, I'm glad you said that because first. I've never worked out or played a sport where I got stronger the tire, more tired I got. Yeah. <laughs> It's just a it's a it's a play on words and it sounds great on TV and it sounds great when you're talking about it in a podcast or whatever, however, whatever media outlet you choose to uh, listen to or see as your entertainment saying that makes you like, oh, okay, I get it. But it's not that they get any stronger. They just stay consistent at what they do. It's just the other team like you got those big guys leaning on another guy for an entire full four quarters. They're going to get tired like. And then, you know, it's not easy tackling Derrick Henry even when you're, you know, (laughs) not tired. So imagine being tired and him still running full steam at the same pace that he started the game with. And here's another thing that a lot of people don't take in consideration uh, as it relates to being a running back. The more carries that you get during the game, the, the more likely you are to bust long runs and get into your groove. When you get into your groove, like we're creatures of habit. So, you know, if you run, uh, you know, this one play uh, eight times throughout the ball game, you know exactly what they're going to do by the time you run it that fourth or fifth time because they've showed you what they're going to do and then their improv move. That's what I like to call it. So they're going to show you the structure of the defense and then every so often they'll improv thinking like, oh, I can go back door and make this tackle or I can, you know, I can hit the gap that I suppose to get. What you're looking for when you're running the ball is, is who's going to be out of their gap, who's not going to feel, who's going to take it upon themselves to try to make this tackle. And once you figure that out as you run the ball, it makes the game a lot easier for you. That's when those four- and five-yard runs turn into 14 and 16 and 19 and 23. You know, that's what I loved about Barry Sanders. Like, you give it to Barry, Barry have a negative two. He'll have a two yard. He'd have a 14. He'd have a negative six. And then he'd have a 45. And people are like, dude, how did he see that? Well, it's not that he he's seeing it. He's getting a feel for it because, again, we're creatures of habit. He know where everybody's going to be on this play. So that's why it's, it's interesting because, you know, you look back, you're like, man, they just ran the same play three straight times. Or they've ran, you know, six plays out of the, the nine plays was the same play. It's because on that particular play, the running back is like feeling. He's like, hey, I know where everybody's going to be. And when you know when everybody's going to be, you know what move you need to make. And if you improv, like, hey, if I get in trouble, I can break it to the outside and I can I can get downfield and I can pick up those extra yards. That's what I used to do. I, I come back to the sideline or I'm in the game and you see me, you know, roll my fingers. That's me telling them, hey, run that play again, run that play again. They'll run it again, but they'll just flip it. Or they'll see me, they'll run that play, and they'll maybe put a pass on it thinking like, hey, they're going to put eight or nine in the box because they're really trying to stop this run now, and we're going to give you an out so we're not getting you running up against this brick wall and hurt yourself. 
So, you know, it's up to the coaches to put you in a better position when you get into that groove. Because when you're in that groove, man, it's nothing more beautiful than just rolling off those runs, rolling off those runs, and your guys helping you up, and you high-fiving, and, you know, maybe you run off, and then the next guy come in and fill that same role. That's the that's the, the, the transition that a lot of running backs try to get into and mindset-wise as well. Did you ever tap your helmet to come out? I tap my helmet a lot, man. Uh, what, what are the I reasons did. behind I, that? Is it just is it? it, it I, I'm assuming it can't just be exhaustion off one play. Well, no. It, well, it, it could be. I, I don't think people understand how hard it is to break a tackle and keep running because you're literally using all your force to break another man's force that's trying to get you down. Running the football is easy. Breaking tackles and continue to run is what gets you tired. It's those short bursts. Like, you know, he's keeping his legs moving. Like, you right. see a guy in the game and you was like, oh, you know, he's killing it. He's crushing it. He just ran a 10-yard run. Why is he coming out? Hell, it was tough. I just drugged three guys. Like, <laughs> it's, let me come out, get my breather. Because what people don't understand is everybody on the defense is tugging at the ball. And what you don't want to be is be less than ready when they tug at the ball because – a hundred yards without the ball is the source, the the saddest story of them all, uh, so the, because the, nobody's looking at you; they're looking for the ball. So, with that being said, you want to make sure that you know you have all the energy that you can in order to protect that football as you run. You know these yards that you're trying to pick up. So, let me ask you one more follow up question on this: and is this is this different for different quarter or different quarter different running backs than Derrick Henry because? I'll give you, from the fancy perspective, D'Angelo, going into this season, one of the running backs I was lower on than everybody else was Aaron Jones. And what I said about Aaron Jones is that on a per-touch basis, he'll be one of the best running backs. He'll be impressive. You'll love what he can do. You want him to get more work. But the Packers insist on not giving him 20 touches a game. And if you look at him, well, he's 5'9", 210 at best, probably more like 205. So is Aaron Jones, is it that scenario because he's not Derrick Henry that if you do give him 20 touches, he'll be the one to wear down because he doesn't have the size that Derrick Henry has? No, because it's, it's a different – what you have to look at is you have to look at whether you run the ball with him or you run the, run the ball with Derrick Henry. The fact is, is that the guys up front are leaning on the defenders, which in turn makes them tired. So if – if Aaron Jones can continue to run the way that he run the entire game, then he, in essence, will wear down the defense because his guys are leaning on their guys. So the coach doesn't think he so can. So it's, it's more of a conditioning aspect. Like, hey, okay. you know, my offensive lineman that's three hundred pounds keep leaning on this, you know, linebacker that's two hundred and forty five pounds. By the fourth quarter, this guy is two forty five. Like I just said, the hardest thing in football is breaking a tackle and keep running. But you got to understand, they got to fight off tackles or blocks, if you will. They got to fight off blocks. So by the fourth quarter, they're tired of fighting off these blocks. Now they're pancakes. Those blocks where you was getting off in the first half are pancakes in the fourth. And you just like, dude, these damn holes are gigantic. He was untouched. <laughs> That's why. Because they are tired. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's go back. Let's let's go back and talk more playoffs. And let's talk about one of the teams you used to play for, Pittsburgh Steelers. Is this an easy answer, D'Angelo? Is it just the what's the thing that they're lacking is the quarterback play? Uh, the no, it's 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 quarterback play, but healthy. Health is another thing that From they need. The they need Juju Smith Schuster back. They need James Conner back. 
They need all these pieces to this puzzle if they plan planning on seeing this playoff picture. Do you think uh, Devlin Hodges is the right picture. move this week that they're going back to him? I yes. I see. That's the thing. They're not asking Duck to Duck win Dodgers. games. <laughs> yeah, they're not asking Duck to win games. They're asking him to do what the Cowboys ask uh, Dak Prescott to do his first year, and that's just manage the game. Our defense is playing well enough to stop teams and put teams in uncomfortable situations. We're leading the league in turnovers, picks. Uh, so you're going to get extra opportunities to go score. We're just asking you don't lose the game for us. Don't win it for us, but don't lose it for us either. Just don't make those critical mistakes and critical times and put us behind the eight ball. And I think Duck give you a better chance at doing that. I think Mason Rudolph is a gunslinger, and he likes to sling the ball, and that doesn't necessarily play into what the Steelers are doing right now because they don't have all those puzzle pieces together right now. So just keep dinking and dunking, moving the ball down the field, flipping the field position because our defense is playing well enough to keep us in this football game. So, yes, consistent quarterback play and getting guys healthy, man. Like looking at that game, man, against the Browns, like there was a lot of people that had to whip out the damn roster. Like, oh, okay, who is this guy? Like, damn, (laughs) when did they sign him? (laughs) You're 100% right because I remember I was mentioning some people while we're sitting here watching football with my buddies and they're like, who? I'm like, I thought you guys paid more attention than this. Come on. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that health is, but uh, not on the defense. I think they have the defense. The defense, you know this, we talked about it before, and I agree with you, is that Minka Fitzpatrick trade, it made wonders for that defense, just allowing everybody oh, 100%. to. Because yeah. he he was out of position with the Dolphins, and now he's where he can be, and it just takes so much pressure off the rest of them where everybody can now focus. Instead of trying to, this is what I always say, D'Angelo, when you're watching football too, and obviously you know this more than anybody, but when you ask defenders, you ask certain players to do more than that's within their realm. You know, sometimes you have to pick up the slack. Well, some of these defenders, like Hayden, they're doing more than they needed to be able to do or could be able to do. You bring in Fitzpatrick, and now everybody's got their focus to their strengths, and that's why this defense has just been pretty much lights out. This is the Steelers' defense back from when you were with them. Say that again. I said this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is as good as it was back when you were with them. No, it was not. That defense was not good. The defense that we're looking at right now, had we had that defense when I was playing those two years, so we'd have been better. back-to-back Super Bowl champs. Fair enough. So don't don't tell me that that <laughs> defense was just – no, that defense was not good. We got ran through. Do you not remember that yeah, Monday night game? Yeah, but you have pieces, though. When uh, – Freaking Ezekiel Elliott ran straight up the middle for a 34-yard <laughs> touchdown for us to lose the game. That's the defense that you're talking about? <laughs> All right, so there, it's better than the one we were playing with. Yes, it's way better than the one that I was I trying to be with. nice and not disparage too much to what you no, 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 no. It's not discouraging. It's telling the truth. And okay. That's exactly I, look, what hey, doing I know you got friends that listen to the show. I, just to... I 100% got friends that listen to the show. And for me to be dishonest and say, yeah, you know, that's a, it's the same guys in certain positions, but like that, there's other guys that are in key roles and positions that take, a, uh, take offense to guys picking up yards in that defense and get pissed off and will pull a guy to the side and say, hey, man, you less than average, man. You need to pick that shit up. Like, that's what we needed on right. the defensive side. This isn't my to I be honest, there. but we'll rewind it, D'Angelo. To be honest, this defense is better than what you played with. <laughs> yes, 100%. Thank you so much. All right, so let's talk about the Bills, who actually have a shot to win this division now. For everybody talking about the schedule down the stretch, they're 9-3 and three in the fifth spot. 
What's the weakness for the Bills in your opinion? Man, it's the same damn thing. It's the offense. Mainly play calling is what it is. I'd love to see Josh Allen uh, throw the ball more. Uh, we know for a fact that they can run the ball. Gore and Singletary you, back there. You know there. they put up 20 against the Broncos and 26 against the Cowboys. Said it again? I said, you know they just put up 20 against the Broncos and 26 against the Cowboys, right? Yeah, but if you look at their offense and Josh Allen, he, he has 16 touchdowns, 8 picks. So for every two times he throw the ball, he's going to throw you a pick um, or however you want to look at it. So, I mean, those are 50-50 balls. Here's the thing that I want to see out of the Bills. I want to see the Cole Beasley that I saw against the Cowboys. Can I see that Cole Beasley every Sunday when I turn on film or when I watch the game uh, as it relates to the Buffalo Bills? Or is that just because he was pissed off because he used to be an ex-Cowboy? No, no, he was actually, like, happy in that game. Cole Beasley, I'm with you. Cole Beasley is one one of the more overlooked wide receivers this year. Yeah. So I was – that. That's why I was trying to figure out. I was like, well, can we can we get this Cole Beasley? Because that Cole Beasley couldn't be held. Like, nobody could stick Cole Beasley as it relates to guarding him against the Cowboys. I don't know if he knew what their defense was. I mean, obviously, he has to stay within whatever the play is being called. He can't just go out there and do his own thing. But, yes, that. I, I need more. I need better quarterback play out of Josh Allen and more better play out of the offense period because we know for a fact that the Buffalo Bills is all defense-based, all defense-based. We know that they can shut down offenses. We've seen them shut down the Patriots. We've seen them shut down everybody that they play. But we, what we don't know is, is can their offense win football games for them? Not just manage them, but win football games. I am not that sold on Josh Allen. I need more out of him. All right. Hey, that's fair enough. One good thing is to talk about Cole Beasley. The Ravens and the Patriots coming up. The one little soft spot that they have in those defenses or for those slot receivers. So maybe Cole Beasley ends up being the reason they're even, you know, in this playoff hunt. So let's I mean, move it'd up. be nice if Josh Allen can throw it to him and not throw it to the other team. Uh, he does better than you think. Yeah. He, okay. He, well, I'm, so that's what I want to see. What, what number, about you? What do you see? The Bills? Do you see a problem? Yeah. I would say, so it's funny because I'm going to bring something up later on, but as of right now, I would say the offense as a whole is, so it's going to be similar to another team we're going to talk about, but if it's a 30 to something, 30 to something shootout, I don't know if the Bills can do the 30 to something. That's my concern. So I'm with you on that. Although I do like Josh Allen more than you do. It sounds like I think their running backs are good. I think their wide receivers are enough in John Brown and Cole Beasley. I think they have everything and the defense is one of the best, but I'm with you. I don't know if a 30-something, 30-something game is something they can pull off. So, you know what team can pull that off? The number four seed right now, Kansas City Chiefs. But I'll give you mine straight off the top. I know what the weakness is. There is absolutely zero run defense on this team. You just, you want to talk about when you're talking about your Steelers, you just run against the Chiefs, congratulations, you're going to have 200 yards of rushing every single game. Absolutely. Well, it's a good thing. They got the Patriots coming up, right? Yeah, that's this week. Yeah, the Patriots don't run the ball, so they're fine. <laughs> well, that's because Sony Michelle averages like three yards a carry. Yeah, but they don't they don't they don't commit to it. You know, I, I was gonna go run defense. They're thirtieth, terrible Chiefs. But they don't run the ball either. Like we know for a fact that we know that he can throw the ball. We know that he's all over the field. You got Kelsey, uh you got uh Tyreek Hill. You got Watkins, all these dynamic even, Yeah. 
Right. You got all these dynamic wide receivers. We know that you can throw the ball. But if I decide, hey, I'm just going to go nickel or dime the entire game. Do you have what it takes to get me out of that defense and allow me to go back to my base defense, which will be traditionally three or four linebackers where I have to stop the run? I don't think the Chiefs have that. And I think that they've been challenged up until this point. That's why they've lost four games, because we know Mahomes can throw the ball. If we stop Mahomes, who do you have? LaShawn McCoy, you got to give us some. Damian Darrell, both of y'all, yeah. The Williams, we, you got to give us something. Yeah, well, like, Damian's go got talk a to your fractured rib. Daryl just got hurt too. He might not even play this week. LaShawn McCoy, the, the hey, you know what? Real quick, explain this one to me. So, you know, Darwin Thompson might be asked to step up this week. Explain this to me, D'Angelo, because everybody's sitting back and looking at the Chiefs and watching this report and laughing. And they're putting it in quotes when they report it because they're like, eh, I don't buy this. So the Chiefs continually, and Andy Reid continually keeps saying, we want LaShawn McCoy healthy for the playoffs. We've been resting him like it's the NBA. They gave him a complete game off. After last week's game, D'Angelo, when Daryl Williams got hurt, Damian Williams is still a question mark for this week. In the post game, they still said, we know McCoy is valuable for the playoffs. We're going to manage his workload. What is going on? Because I'm sure your boy, Frank Gore, is sitting there laughing going, no, you don't. Look at me. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're resting him. I think he has a, a, a lingering injury there that they're trying to to – to manage so when the playoff time come they can have a super healthy LaShawn McCoy because I, I I don't I don't even know like I don't know how good he is now because in that Bills offense he was dynamic but in this Chiefs offense he just looks average like yeah. there's nothing about him that stands out so I, I'm thinking like did they pay all this money to get him in here and I'm saying all this money because Obviously, his bottom dollar is a lot higher than other people's bottom dollar because of years of experience that he has. Uh, I'm not saying he's not worth the money because he is worth the money because that's what they felt he was worth. But as it relates to him being special on the field, he had been special on the field. Granted, they hadn't ran the ball much. I don't know if they're not running the ball because Mahomes is a MVP candidate and he's they have the receivers and they're putting it in their their best players' hands as it relates to, you know, Tyleek Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes and allowing him to distribute the ball the way that he wants to distribute it rather than leaning on the Chiefs offensive line and uh, making those guys open those holes for him. So I think as it relates to LaShawn McCoy being a healthy scratch on some of these games is that there's a lingering injury there that they're trying to get healthy or they're trying to make sure that they get it under wraps or trying to find a way that they can treat it and allow him to still play um, at a at a, a higher uh, level than normal. But there's definitely something there. I just don't know what it is because you don't rest guys like the NBA. No. You get 16 games, that's it. You get 82 in, in the NBA, so you have time. You don't have this time as it relates to playing in the NFL. No, I, I think the, a lot of people are assuming the same thing, and that's why I said everybody's putting in quotes. All right, the number three seed, right? At, I I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow fell out of the playoffs altogether. But they're eight and four, so it's going to be tough for them. But either way, I think we've got two issues for this team, Deandre. So I, I'm interested to see what you say about Houston Texans. Who do you? What do you think their weakness is? I I think their weakness is their defense. Their their That's inability one of the two to for generate me. any kind of quarterback pressure. Like Romeo Cornell is going to have to call up or dial up 
some like this is not one of those things where you just line up and you just play vanilla defense because you have enough talent on that defense to disrupt and cause chaos to opponents. No, you got to be creative and you got to come up with schemes to put your players in the best position to win. So when you said call up, you mean he's going to call up Bilicek for ideas of what he's still living off of? No, no, no. This is not. This is where you do some tackle in stunts. This is where you start stunting on the defensive line to try to to generate pressure. I think they have like 20 sacks uh, on that defensive line. It, that's that's not good at all, especially when, you know, the games that you have coming up, you know, getting ready for the playoffs. You got the Titans twice. You got Tampa Bay and you got Denver, which, you know, they got a cakewalk schedule as it relates to, you know, Tampa and Denver uh, as a, the, a playoff team, not cakewalk as in they should win these football games. Right. But the Titans are fighting. So, you know, they can't, they got to stop that run, but it's their defense that's causing them a lot of problems. Deshaun Watson is playing out of his mind. Carlos Hyde, I'm still trying to figure out how the hell Carlos ended up in Houston because he is balling. <laughs> he balled when he was with the 49ers. I just I don't understand how that even happened. Because he's just he. I, I think the NFL has gone so far with this replaceability with running backs that it's gotten out of hand. I'm with you on that, but I th- I think you left out one of the issues. I'm with you 100 percent on the defense. You talk about Deshaun Watson and Carlos Hyde, and I think they're doing more than they could possibly do because I think their other issue is the offensive line. I don't think this offensive line is going to be able to prevent them being possibly from a one-and-done because you talk about quarterback pressure. Deshaun Watson continually has got it in his face a second after he snaps the ball. Carlos Hyde, often to your point, is trying to break tackles before he even gets to the line of scrimmage. So I think the Texans just well, – I mean, you have the defense plus the offensive line. I just don't see how they, they move forward. That's why I didn't I didn't say anything about the offensive line is because Deshaun Watson is at his deadliest when he's moving. Him sitting in the pocket, Deshaun Watson, I don't want that Deshaun Watson. No. I think and this is in my opinion, Deshaun Watson in the pocket is a terrible quarterback. Like that's not a quarterback I want to see. But you get him on the move, he is dangerous. Super dangerous. No, and the Baker same thing Mayfield. with Carlos Hyde. <laughs> Huh? I said that's Baker Mayfield. You just took his word. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, that that was <laughs> that was his. He is. He's very dangerous when he's on the move, and I think that's what he prefer. So they don't put any money in that offensive line, and they just allow them guys to just say, "Hey, get in front of him. If you lose him, then move up or get out of Deshaun's way." And Carlos Hyde is the same way. Like he was his tackle breaking ability is what set him apart from everybody else when he was in San Francisco. I mean, we understand that he can break tackles. Like, let's not push this envelope, you know, Texans. Like, 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 give him some help so he doesn't have to break tackles all the damn time. Like, we like it easy sometimes as running backs, too. Like, make it easy on us. Do your job so we can do ours. All right. So, last two. These are the big ones. Number two Ooh. does not have the tiebreak right now. If the playoffs start today – they are not going through New England. I mean, before a game it would be, but overall, New England's number two right now. What is the issue with the Patriots, in your opinion, D'Angelo? Well, obviously everybody has been talking about their receivers' inability to get open. Uh, you know, you've even seen Antonio Brown tweeting, hey, you know, the best Christmas gift for the New England Patriots would be me. Ta-da. <laughs> we all understand that, but, you know, there's, there's some issues there that, you know, I'm not going to talk about, but their receivers – and their timing. Like, this was the first time where I got a chance to watch the Patriots play, and like, the timing was off. 
and mm-hmm. you visibly saw Tom Brady frustrated. You visibly saw, you visibly saw Tom Brady like clueless. Like he had that look in his face like what in the hell is going on? None of his receivers got open. This is the problem that they have in New England. Their inability to commit to the run and take the pressure off of Tom Brady and those wide receivers. Sony Michelle, uh, you know, obviously he's averaging three and a half yards a carry. He can't get going. And James White is their second leading receiver, and he's the damn running back. He's the backup running back uh, at that. So you got to get that run game going. I understand that the NFL is trying to get away from that. Uh, they they feel like we're interchangeable as it relates to running backs, and they don't feel like, hey, you can win a championship. Like I think Jerry Jones said it best: uh, a running back, a leading running back in the NFL, has never won a, a, a Super Bowl. You're absolutely right, Jerry Jones. But a great or good run game has, and right. that's what you're gonna need in order to hoist that Lombardi Trophy. And that's what the Patriots did last year when they when they raised the trophy, and years before that, uh, they raised the trophy. They had a a run game that you would have to respect. Nobody's respecting that run game, and that's where they fall short. And I think that's what their issues are as it relates to the new England Patriots. I'm with you on that one. I definitely am. I think they're to be honest though. I think it's a lot of their offense as a whole. And I think part of it is, yeah. as you mentioned, I think it's part of, part of it's Tom Brady too. Let me be honest about that. I mean, go back. What? Look, None of this Tom Brady fault. Stop. Don't, don't start that. Don't start that. Jake. <laughs> We've already done it that. before. I know you get mad every single time, but I was going <sighs> to compare this to what you just said about the run game. You go back to what you were talking about with the Trent Dilfer. Well, guess what? Jamal Williams was running for 100 yards in the Super Bowl against the Giants and that defense and just the combination. So I'm with you. I think if the Patriots just committed and said, hey, let's just be the 2000-2001 Ravens, you could have another Super Bowl. But that's the problem. I'm with you is that they're still putting, and I'm going to say it, and I know you're going to get started, they're putting too much on Tom Brady's shoulders whose shoulders cannot handle it anymore like he used to. He can still handle it more than most people, but not like he used to. I think he can handle all of everything that you're saying, but here's the problem. He doesn't have that tight end that he used to have, that comfort zone blanket where those 50-50 balls were Well, he doesn't have consistent receivers 25. in general. I mean, we're, we're moving Sanu in and out of the lineup from injuries. Dorsett, the same thing. You've got Jacoby Myers, who's a transitioned wide receiver, who's starting to get – he was a rookie. You've got Nikhil Harry, who just came back, who's a rookie, and it had issues even in the preseason. So I think that's part of it, too. Like, there's just no, like, rapport with his receivers. Yeah, but you don't have to have rapport if everything is timing. Like exactly, in that and you go back to Tom Brady years ago, and he made Deion Branch amazing, he made Troy Brown amazing, he made all these guys. That was my argument before, and now he can't do that anymore. That's my point. No, no, not all of that is gone. Like you need a run game, and I think that it's too late in his career. Like when they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, you can if that dog is willing to learn and willing to succeed. And I think that Tom Brady is there. I just don't think that this coaching staff is there yet. Belichick has his ways, and his ways have worked, and it's the Belichick way, not necessarily the Patriot way. Uh, And that's ultimately what's going to be their demise is the fact that they cannot run the ball or choose not to run the ball, that we're going to drop back and we're going to put it on old reliable and Tom Brady. And when Tom Brady can't get it done, then it must can't be done. Okay, So I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm going to ask you the question. Are you telling me, D'Angelo, that the problem—if the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl, but the problem might ha- might this year 
be Bill Belichick. Not Bill. Yeah, I guess I could say that. I'm, if if he has his hand in everything, and his offensive coordinator decides like, hey, uh, but then it could be. I, I'm saying that, but at the same time, I'm also could saying McDaniel's that you want to put you want to put the ball in your best player's hand, and in this case, your best player is Tom Brady. All right, fair enough. Putting that in your best player's hand is also taking away the fact that we can't run the football. <laughs> yeah, and we're just gonna it's a catch twenty two. <laughs> It is a catch twenty two. Like right, yeah. That's what I mean. So yes and no. <laughs> Actually, if you want to put the ball in the best player's hands, it's Stephon Gilmore. But that's on defense. He's taking care yeah, of himself. But, you know, he, if it's put in his hands, that's a pick. <laughs> uh, yeah, that exactly. All right. So last one, yeah. D'Angelo. I don't have an answer I, because I don't think there is one for the Baltimore Ravens. There, there is one. There, there, there's actually two. There's two things that's going to stand in the Ravens' way. Oh, my God. If you say Uh, what you're about to say, you're going to have me pissed off, too. uh, You know what? I'm going to say it. Damn it, I'm going to say it. Uh, The bye week, if they get a bye, having that that time off and taking Lamar Jackson and that potent offense and defense off the field. But I would love to see Lamar Jackson throw the ball more. Like, I understand, like, just drop back, throw the ball. All of his critical plays – have come with him breaking tackles, uh, getting out of the pocket on the move, but just allow it to be easy for Lamar. Just get away from the RPO, not altogether, but just see what else can he do. Like, what else can he do? We know what he can do good. You're getting ready to go into the second half of the season, which is the playoffs. Like, show me something else. Put something else on film for people to have to prepare for so they're spending more time preparing for something that you're not going to do than versus what you're going to do. Do the Bill Belichick. Apparently, Belichick has mastered that of putting something on film that he's not going to do. And then when you play him, you prepare for that. And you just wasted two or three practice days <laughs> trying to stop something that they're not going to run. So see, give me something else. Put something else on film for me to see that Lamar Jackson can do because we know he can run. He's the second leading rusher on this team behind Mark Ingram as it relates to carries. He's probably going to rush for 1,000 yards. Oh, he's only got 23 to go. Right, that's what I'm saying. He's going to rush for over 1,000 yards. Mark Ingram's going to rush for over 1,000 yards. He's going to throw for over 2,000. He's going to be the hands-down favorite to win the MVP, but I'd love to see him throw the ball more and take a little bit of pressure off the coaching staff and the players in terms of you putting yourself in a position to get hurt. I will agree partially in the fact that a lot of it has been RPO, but I will disagree a little bit too in the fact that the three games before the so the 49ers game I thought was a good testament that they can win ugly because that was ugly. That was his worst that, performance. It was in a long really time. ugly. But my thing is the three games before that, this dude had a 77% completion percentage, had three touchdowns, four touchdowns, five touchdowns in those games. And yes, a lot of their passing is out of the RPO you that's where I agree with you you are correct there but let me ask you this question and kind of let let me put my statement out there and ask you a question off of it D'Angelo is I say why change it because this is Lamar Jackson's offense this is what you talked about before this is what they're doing at Louisville is what they're doing now if it works why mess with it and try to do something that might not work or is it what you're saying is like somebody eventually is going to figure you out Somebody's going to eventually figure you out. And that's the reason why, like, if you look back at all the mobile quarterbacks throughout the NFL history, when they came back the next year, you had to show me something different. Like, 
Russell Wilson. He was running more when he was younger. Now he's developed into the quarterback that he is right now. Cam Newton, he's trying to develop into being that pocket passer. He doesn't run as much as he used to. Michael Vick did the exact same thing. So eventually it's going to come a time where that body can't take that pounding that you you used to take when you were younger. So why don't you go ahead and develop those, hey, I'm a pocket passer. I could do it if I need to. If you if you decide, hey, you want to keep me contained, I can work here just as well as I can working scrambling outside the box. Like those quarterbacks that love to be on the move to throw the ball are the quarterbacks that sometimes get you know put in that box and they can't operate like they normally would because they want to be moving. I, hey, maybe I can't see out over the offensive line. Maybe I got a lot of batted balls. You know, maybe that's what it is when I'm sitting in the pocket. That's why I feel more comfortable when I'm moving. So when I'm moving, I can, you know, I could pull the ball down if I don't feel comfortable throwing it and pick up the extra three or four yards. But what Lamar Jackson is doing right now uh, is not something that I haven't seen before, but it's very consistent in what I've seen out of, other good mobile quarterbacks if that makes any sense like Vic in his prime uh Cam Newton in his prime but he's doing it consistently week in and week out where these quarterbacks back in those days would have two or three games where it's like awesome and then they have that lull for two or three games and then they come back and they show you something so I I would like to see the levels to Lamar Jackson's game like okay we know you can run the ball. We know that you're deadly. We got to keep a spy. So keeping that spy on Lamar Jackson makes his passing more elite than all the other quarterbacks in the National Football League right now because now you have to assign a guy to Lamar Jackson and they keep that roamer from being back there with that free hitter or that can't stop free guy. Time to, anyway. can, <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. He can't stop him half the time anyway. So with that being said, I would like to see more out of Lamar Jackson as it relates to can he pocket pass? Because if I'm a def- if I'm a defensive coordinator in the National Football League, I'm going to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket and see if he can if he can do that. If he can do that then, you know, obviously we got problems on our hands. But let let me say, hey, my defensive ends, I want you to get upfield and then redirect and come back to keep him in the pocket. Is he just as comfortable in the pocket as he is on the move? If you hear my voice here, that means we've reached the end of our ride. But there's good news. You can listen to more of the show and get 40% off by subscribing to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash tobehonest. That's theathletic.com slash tobehonest. You'll be able to hear the full show in D'Angelo's most honest takes of the episode. Okay, now you know. Tune in next week and we'll talk soon.